Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Good morning, everyone. Today, I want to introduce you to, uh, she says we're twins, but not exactly. She's younger and thinner and uh, (laughs) all the wonderful things. Uh, Her name is Sherry Fletcher. I met her online in Facebook group, and she is, I don't know if you call yourself a coach, but you seem like a coach to me, but she is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and also a fellow podcaster. And so, Sherry, if you just tell us a little bit about your family and then your ministry, all your ministries, and then we'll get to the legacy questions. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It is just so much fun to, to see you. Yes, you are twins. And I don't think I'm that much older than you. Younger. Yeah, you're older younger. than me. I don't think so. Oh, well, we'll see. Sorry, I got that backwards. Um, so I have been called a coach. Oh. So yes, I do love mentoring. Mm. And I guess that can align with coaching Absolutely. Um, as well. Um, my name is Sherry Fletcher and I live in Tennessee. My husband and I just moved here in October and we are kind of empty nest parents of three hmm. kids. And so we're enjoying some of the times of um, not as much chaos going on as far as following kids and extracurricular activities. And that totally get thing. that. Totally. Yeah. And also we're kind of empty nest. Well, kind of. It's always fun when they come home, but it's always fun when they leave. Yes. <laughs> and I never thought that when they were little. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, no. But then as they got adults, you're like, okay, I get it's it. It's time. It's time. <laughs> so I just moved here, like I said, from Washington. And in Washington, I had a very active youth ministry. I was oh. active in women's ministry. Um, and I often substitute taught in the Bible classes at the Christian campus, um, the high school that was close by. Oh, wow. And so I really enjoyed working with them. I miss them immensely, but I know God's going to keep using me here in Tennessee. And then I am currently working with my podcast, Your Spiritual Game Plan, which was um, based from the uh, program I developed on the high school campus that I worked at. So, um, so your podcast is called Spiritual Game Plan. It's called exactly. Your Spiritual Game Plan. Your Spiritual Game Plan. And so why did you come up with that topic? Oh, wow. <laughs> so the program that I developed on campus is called The Spiritual Game Plan. And it uh, was brought to my mind when I was watching my husband coach my daughter's sixth grade basketball. Hmm. So that was about 17 years ago. Okay. And I watched these kids really, really study their game book and really memorize the play and Hmm. really pay attention to the coach. And they didn't go on the court unless they knew that play. And the game could be going really loud and the coach could just say one word. Um, Their their plays were called by states. So he could say Mississippi and they would switch and they knew what to do. Even though the crowd was really loud, they heard the coach's voice. They were trained Hmm. to everything's going on, but you pay attention to this coach. And I sat there and I thought, why don't we do that with our kids spiritualized? Why aren't we training our kids to understand that as they grow up, these middle school kids are going to go into high school. They're going to face some serious, you know, opposition and and the enemy is going to tempt them with peer pressure and identity, you know, crisis and 
Why aren't we getting them memorizing how to handle these things through scripture? And I knew if I went into the middle school and started talking about it, my kids would probably want to hide under their desk Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it would be a lecture. So I went to the high school and I talked to the principal and the Bible teacher. I said, what if I worked with some really upstanding upperclassmen and we developed this program and then they go down to the middle school and talk to those kids about what it's like in high school and why, why they wished they had had a spiritual game plan. They could share some testimonies. They could share the struggles and they could talk about what it looks like, how to make good decisions. Wow. Think about those things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Before you get to high school, what are you going to do? Not if, what are you going to do when this happens? We call that, a, pro, we call that a prophylactic, right? Yes. Yes. Right. In the medical yes. field. <laughs> yes. And so as parents, you know, we want to protect our kids, mm-hmm. but the best way to protect is to prepare. Mm-hmm. And so um, the high school students, I started working with four, uh, a junior girl and a junior boy, and then a senior girl and a senior boy. Mm-hmm. And they went down and they talked to the, the middle school kids and it was a success. Um, the next year, the, the boy and girl that had been juniors were now seniors. So they stayed on. And so they were mentoring the juniors wow. and then together they were going down and mentoring the middle school. And some of the middle school kids that had been there the previous year were now freshmen in the high school. And it was an accountability of all different aspects of, you know, just raising these disciples to mentor mm-hmm. at a young age and take right. that seriously. Right. And so it was called the spiritual game plan. And until we moved, it had um, we'd done it for 16 years. And um, so well, when I, I first asked, when I first asked you to explain it, I was thinking in terms of adults because I well, think, yes, I think the metaphor is fabulous because there's always clamoring. There's clamoring in my life right now. Either it's the world or even other ministries or things. Uh, you know, the urgency of the present, tyranny of the urgent. And yet, if we would just hear that one word from God as our coach and obey immediately, you've probably read in my utmost first highest, or maybe it's even in scripture, it probably is, where if we don't obey on what God is telling us, why would he give us one more, why would he give us one more command? Because we're not paying attention to the one he already gave us. So uh, I think that is fabulous, and I hope it's going to be in print soon, (sighs) and that you can... um, and so, so now your podcast is called yes. Your Spiritual Game Plan. Is that correct? Yes. So I okay. have taken it to the adults. Good. Where Because um, we need uh, it too. <laughs> yes. And as, um, as you know, and I'll tell your listeners, I really work with women on, on understanding their purpose. Okay. But in order to understand your purpose, you have to understand that God has had a plan for your purpose. And we'll, get on, we'll touch base on that a little bit. God has had a purpose for your plan before you did. He had a plan. But the enemy has a plot mm-hmm. and that plot's going to align with the very plan God has for you. And unless you have a spiritual strategy on how you're going to handle those days when the enemy is just attacking that very purpose God has called you to do, you have to have a spiritual game plan for the spiritual warfare because the enemy does not want you, Sue. He does not want you to shine. Mm-hmm. And so. OK, I misheard you earlier when you said and the enemy is. It sounded like you said the enemy was aligned with, but I think oh, you mean it's a plot. He has a, a plot. Plot. And his plot is okay. aligned okay. with the purpose. Yeah. Uh, okay. And um, so that's why Ephesians is so uh, great. Before we started recording, you're saying how you love the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, the whole thing about 
the armor of God and the enemy of God. In fact, I was just praying in the shower this morning about somebody I loved, uh, and I was remembering Priscilla Shire's wonderful study on the armor of God and this to let God do the fighting in the heavilies rather than me saying anything. Because, you know, when we have older kids, it's best to keep our mouths shut and our knees bent. And um, I, I didn't bend my knees in the shower, but you get the idea mm-hmm. that we're giving over the fight and the battle has already been won. We just don't see it always. Right. And how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that disappointment or waiting so long for God to answer our prayers? How do you deal with that? How do I deal with that? Um, I, find, I find comfort in, in the stories of the Bible where people like you look at Abraham and God gave him these promises that he really never got to see fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And um, I find comfort in knowing that if I am just faithful and if I can get through today with whatever the enemy's doing to try and discourage me, trying to give me angst and worry, if I can sing a song, I love to sing. If I can quote a scripture back to the enemy, um, if I can tell him, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to hear my coach's voice over yours. You're loud right now, Satan, but God God's going to say it, you know, he's going to use a person. He's going to use a song. He's going to use a bird to say, to sing a song. And I'm going to focus on that. And I know that the promises will be fulfilled, even if I don't see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that um, the Lord has been teaching me a lot this whole year, especially with COVID uh, this past year, year, this will be out probably, I don't know what's going to be happening. We don't know that tomorrow, we think we do, but in six months, we really don't know. And um, and just to, that's what faith is. And so I think we're always a little surprised, like, oh yeah, we aren't supposed to know because we're uh, men and women living by faith. Now, I know one of your passions is to help people to navigate their roles through change. And there's always a lot of change going in our lives. And I think that as women, we think that, well, I'm supposed to be a mother. I'm supposed to work outside the home. I'm supposed to be a coach. I'm supposed to be a Bible teacher. And then when those things go awry or just we have to move or whatever, we, um, I have felt unsettled in who God really made me to be. And I've had to learn through many years, through many changes of, oh, it doesn't really matter what I'm called. It's who has called me. So what has helped you most when you help someone, um, when you help some, why did you choose that as your passion? Is that something Mm -hmm. you yourself had to go through? Yeah, I, I myself had to go through. And I think I'm not the only one that has struggled with identity. And what I find the word that comes to mind when I really look at all the experiences I've had and women I've talked to, it's relevance. What do you mean? Um, relevance. So when I hear women say, and when I myself feel like I don't have a purpose, um, you know, I moved, like we mentioned, and I, I didn't lose my, but I lost that role of youth minister, Bible teacher. Women. I lost that role. Right. Someone right. else is fulfilling it. I lost my relevance in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's like, wow, someone else is already filling my shoes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, one of my dearest friends, beautiful organist, beautiful, but churches are getting rid of organs. Yes. Our right? church just did. <laughs> yes. And so she really, she really saw that for a while as they got rid of her. 
I see. Yeah, you and lost so, your identity when you yeah. lost your role. <laughs> and so my tagline, which which God had placed in my heart for myself, for me to know, is our roles in life change, but our purpose is eternal. And the same calling God gave me, he's going to use it here in Tennessee. It might look different. And so if I'm looking for it as the same in Washington, I might I might feel like, okay, I still have no purpose. But But when I see how God uses me every day with a person that walks on my porch or someone that does a service call to the house. I know God is bringing the purpose here. It it came with me. (laughs) And what would you say uh, to my audience today is what is our purpose? Our purpose in life, we were created to reflect the image of God and give God glory. We were also created to be the body of Christ on this earth and to touch people in ways that only God can through us. That's why we're, even in Ephesians, we're called the body. And so um, for someone that loves to host and serve such as yourself, when you do that, that's your calling here on earth. That's what God created you to be, that hostess that makes people feel welcome. There might be people that don't host in their home, but they make beautiful cards and they write beautiful letters. And when they send those out, they are being the hands of God and the words of God to someone else. And so um, we were created on this earth to show God to others and be God to others. And because this world really um, glorifies sensationalism and they glorify famous and, you know, being famous, a lot of times if our, if our little job or our little purpose doesn't get that validation that goes viral, we don't mm-hmm. think it counts. But right. God says we do this for the least of these. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that God put in my heart, so I don't know if it's, <clears throat> if it's it's not in the Bible, but God's, but God said it one day when someone was talking about the, the five um, loaves and fish that God used and how he used just that little bit to feed thousands and how God, if we're obedient, just give God a little bit, he'll do the big. And God said, yeah, but don't forget the sweet mom that made that lunch. Oh, isn't that wonderful? We don't ever talk about her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe he made his own lunch. But but she what she she put a little lunch together, not having a clue and maybe mm-hmm. never did have a clue mm-hmm. how that was used. Yeah. And and I think there um well maybe things have changed now, but when I got married 33, 34, I don't remember, 30 something years ago, um, I had lived a, a full single life because I was 35 when I got married. And so people kind of felt, I remember a girlfriend saying, well, I'm sorry that you're married now because you always wanted to be a missionary. And I thought, wait a minute, you're a missionary wherever God places you. And of course I wanted to get married and uh, there has its own challenges being married, as you know. But uh, in every aspect, we need to say, okay, Lord, it's almost every day to me. It's like, okay, how do you want me to reflect you to my neighborhood today? I mean, yesterday, I mean, just yesterday was, I had this, I had a couple opportunities with people, one on my porch and one at my table. And to have that opportunity, wow, I'm not sure what's going to happen from this. But what happens is not our responsibility. Would you say that? Absolutely. We we want results. You know, we, we yes. post something and we want likes immediately. Yes, we do. <laughs> we yes, want we the do. results. Yeah. And God's like, you might not ever see the result. I'm just asking you to... Um, tell this person I love them or invite this person to your house or to ask someone if you can pray with them. That's all I'm asking you to Mm -hmm. do. You're looking for some big, great Mm -hmm. fulfillment. Right. Right. um, 
And what would be your definition of success? Mm. Definition of success, um, that I think has to be for me defined daily <laughs> because things change every day. Um, over, you mean over, overall in life? Yeah. I want to, success will be knowing that my kids um, have a relationship with God because of what they saw in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, I have been been an example um i've shown grace i've shown humility and that when they look back they can say you know i saw god and god they love god because of it and they don't hate god because of it yeah it's like lord please make up for all the parts i didn't do right (laughs) so uh as you know my podcast is on legacy what this is probably you've already covered it but let's make it a little more succinct what legacy do you want to pass down to those you know and love and i don't mean just your children Right. You know, um, uh, we were in church the other weekend and the pastor was talking about legacy and I thought, oh, this is great timing. (laughs) And he said, legacy isn't the stuff you leave for your kids or those you love and know. Legacy is the stuff that you leave in your Mm. kids. Mm. And I thought, wow, that really clarified what it is that I want to leave in those. And I want them to have a clear understanding of the war that is going on for their attention, their mental health, their salvation, their marriage, their life, and to fully grasp, you know, that God, like we've talked earlier, God has had a plan for them all along. But like I said, the enemy has a plot against that plan and the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep them from fulfilling the plans that God has for them. And so when things get hard, I want to leave in my loved one's um, the, the key knowledge that they can fully know that God is already victorious and that, you know, with a good spiritual game plan in place, that they will also be victorious. What is your, um, let's give like a one-two punch of your spiritual game plan. Is it just to read your Bible every day, make sure you pray, memorize scripture, you know, don't... Uh, you know, what was that one my mom used to say? Don't dance or chew or go with girls that do. And um, what is in your game plan that would be an encouragement to my listeners right now? Maybe they've never thought about their spiritual life being a game plan where they have to be ready for the attack of the enemy every day. Yes. Um, one, two strategy. I like that because I hadn't, I've never boiled it down to that. So this is good. Good. Well, it's, we only have a half hour. That's why. Yeah. 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 Um, I think you have to be very intentional about about areas in your life where you feel defeated oh like what do you mean so um for me I can feel defeated when I look at um you and I say wow look at how wonderful she's got these books she's written and (laughs) she has got this podcast with all these listeners and she's and um okay, well, I'm not getting that and I'm not doing this and I don't have that. And where are you comparing yourself to? So comparison. Yeah, but you'll find that a lot of times I'm going to compare myself to someone else that's living a very similar calling that God has given me. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not going to compare myself to um, my friend who makes beautiful cakes. Right. Watching her make cakes does not defeat me. Mm. I'm like, wow, look at that cake. That's beautiful. But, but where the enemy wants me to be feeling defeated is okay. 
look, you think you're a writer? Look at her mm-hmm. and her. She's got exactly books. And so <laughs> understanding what that really is and be like, okay, I see what this is. And Satan, good, good try. Good try. But God didn't create me to write those 27 books. He might have created me to write a pamphlet, but it's going to be the pamphlet that God wanted me to write. So having a strategy to really see what it is that makes us feel defeated and calling it out for what it is. And then um, I do think reading your Bible, that's your that's your game book. And so I would say find a verse um, that you can really claim on a daily basis So that when those times come, when the enemy uses that sweet little lady in church to stare at you the wrong way and say you don't ever want to go to church or, (laughs) you know, someone says something, you might most most of the times it's your spouse um, says something and Satan wants you to hear it a certain way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so you mean your husband is not Satan? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) <laughs> your husband is not mm-hmm. and he's actually not being used by satan satan is going to have you hear what was said oh. and be like what are you talking about or what mm-hmm. did you say and our sweet husbands they really didn't they really didn't have that intention <laughs> no. They're like, they what? go where did this where did this come from and then they say something the next worst thing they say is well you didn't get enough sleep did you now that <laughs> is of satan so <laughs> not that that's ever happened no but being able to <laughs> to say okay um, you know, Satan is wanting me to hear what Satan has always wanted us to hear from the Garden of Eden on. He told sweet Eve, you're not good enough. Mm. You're not mm-hmm. good enough. He told Eve that because she he wanted her to know God doesn't think you're smart enough. He doesn't want you to eat from this tree because he doesn't want your eyes to be opened. He doesn't want you to be like him. You aren't good enough. He just wants to keep you over here. And so I think women eternalize a lot of I'm not good enough and they hear things from that aspect. And so having a game plan is being aware of that, having a scripture in place, ready to go on that court with. It's like, I've got my play. I've got my scripture. What would be your scripture personally? Well, my I have a couple, but the one that's on the wall, I do like Ephesians 32, 10, which is what my ministry is based on. But the three, one I've, three. Ephesians um, what? 210. 210. And, and the Bible verse that's on our wall has been on our wall since, um, since the beginning of your spiritual game plan, Isaiah 32, 8. Mm. And what that says is a noble man has a noble plan. So on noble deeds, he can stand. Wow. So every day before you go out that door, you've got to have a noble plan or you don't have anything to stand on. That enemy Mm. is very, very strategic and he's going to come and take your feet out from under you. See, I think this helps uh, people who are planners and not planners because I'm not, I don't consider myself, I consider myself uh, strong in the area of spontaneity, which is a positive, positive way of saying I'm un- unorganized. But um, because of the different jobs I have, I've been forced into being organized. But I do pray, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, Lord, for in thee do I trust. Mm-hmm. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. And I memorized it from just reading it every day in college. And in college, it was the King James. So that's what I have in my brain. But I actually didn't set out to memorize it, Sherry. It memorized me just from reading it. And I wish I could, uh, I don't even need it uh, um, calligraphied on my ceiling of my bedroom anymore because it just comes to mind because I may have a plan, like yesterday I had a plan, but two people interrupted that plan. And then I thought, hmm, I guess I wasn't supposed to do these other things. And then I could be at peace. 
it's just such a peace-giving thing to know that the overall plan is planned by God, but we still don't sit on the curb and wait for Jesus to come back. We do something for him in the meantime, whether it be like you said, I love what you said, just if it's just to give a word of encouragement to a neighbor mm-hmm. or to help them out by bringing them flowers or whatever it is. Um, what changes or obstacles did you need to overcome to make this, give this legacy really to your children of building in in their lives, a game plan. Mm. Um, I'm still got obstacles. <laughs> Don't we day. all? Every you day. Know, he loves putting obstacles in. Um, I know that I, oh, I believe that God's going to call me out on the calling that he gave me. And so that's the only way it can become a testimony, right? And as if he tests us on it. And so um I need to go through these things that I actually talk about so that I can understand. <laughs> I get that. And I can give grace because I need grace. And so I often would lead others to understanding that our worth and our purpose is still the same, even in transitions, even when we lose a role that we've had. And like we've mentioned right now, I am in a season of change. I have moved and leaving a community that I was extremely active in for 18 years in a state that I called home for 30 was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we mentioned, I was active with the youth and the women's ministry and I'm going to be vulnerable here. I'm going to be honest. It felt so good to be loved and looked to for help and mentorship and coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved being used by God and serving kids and women. And at the moment um, I'm not doing that. That has changed. That's not happening. So I've gone from meeting with those people to meeting with hardly anyone. Mm -hmm. But God keeps reminding me, you know, that my purpose is eternal, that I'm still needing to be used by God. But right now I need to be still and I need to know. And so I think right now our kids have watched my husband and I go through a very hard year Mm -hmm. and, um, being able to not be super angst, super fearful, constantly worried, being able to pick up and move and say, this is where God has called us and I have peace with it. Because, you know, we we're told in the Bible, be still and know, but we don't finish that Bible verse or we don't look back at the previous. It says we can be still and know that God is our refuge and strength and our ever present help and trouble. And then twice it says, the Lord Almighty is with us. Hmm. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hmm. And so the obstacles that I have, I really feel that knowing that I can be still and know. And sometimes because I'm I'm an Enneagram 7, I have to take the K off and be still and now. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. But being able to be still and know that God is my refuge, he's my ever-present help and trouble, and this obstacle is nothing to God. Hmm. And you know, Sherry, we're both Bible teachers, and um, and I only really know the Bible when I have to go through a hard thing. So when you just were reading those scripture verses, I go, that's right, we will not know that God, I don't know that God is my refuge until I need him as my refuge. Mm -hmm. Do I need him as my refuge 24-7? Of course I do. But it's those hard times that make me crawl up into his lap because as the disciples said, where else would we go, Lord? Where else would we go? And so I think um, as women in the word that we need to be encouraging sister our sisters to answer that question correctly, where else would you go? Well, let's go to Jesus because really that is the answer. Yesterday, a friend was 
needing some support. And I just, I, I couldn't help her. I could not help her. There were, I did not have the knowledge, but because of a scripture that I was reading in another book, I just wrote to her and I said, look, I said, look, God has promised to meet our needs. He will either give you the means, meaning the money, or he will give you the answer to your question. Or he would completely surprise us with something we don't even know about. And that was the comfort I could give her. And it was the comfort I wanted God to answer her question lickety split as well. But he teaches us what faith is when he makes us wait. So, well, you have been absolutely delightful today. Did you want to leave us with any last thing that I didn't give you a chance to talk about? Um, you know, I, uh, I've been studying Elijah. Oh. And I... Um, I've been studying him probably about six months because I can get stuck on one, one little verse and just stay there. But I noticed that God used him in such a powerful way. And, you know, with the fire coming down from yep. heaven and then he ran in front of a chariot and, it, you know, and then he gets, he, he gets depressed. He didn't, yeah. He didn't <laughs> see the results that he wanted. He goes and wants to kill him, wants to die. And I thought, wow, how, Often do I do something that God's asked me to do and I see him in such a big way and then the enemy comes in and just wants to make me feel like I'm, you know, the worst person in the world. Yep. And I like how God reminded him. He said, hey, come outside. I'm going to come by. I'm going to I'm going to you're going to see me. So he goes out there and it says like the wind comes and tears the mountains, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind is an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire and the Lord was not in the fire. And then after a fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it. <clears throat> and I just want to encourage people that this world tells us we've got to have an earthquake and a wind and a fire. But God isn't always in those. And it's the still small voice. And we just need to be still and know that he's there. Mm. Wow, that is a great way to end. And I just know that my listeners are encouraged today because I'm encouraged. So thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you? Super easy. Um, SherryFletcher.com. It's Sherry with a C. So C-H-E-R-I, SherryFletcher.com. And all the links to everything I'm doing, even the podcast are on there. Okay. And the name of your podcast? Your Spiritual Game Plan. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thanks so much. I so enjoyed it. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.